Hello ladies and welcome back to episode two in our well-rested mama series. Today we are talking all about co-sleeping so enjoy. Hey mama I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes it's time for you to guide you through let's take some time for you it's pregnancy with Hello mamas and welcome back to episode two in our well-rested mama series with the wonderful Sarah from Blossom and Snooze. I hope that you are enjoying this season so far. Uh, Sarah has already released one episode where we talked all about changing our perceptions of baby sleep. So I do think that's an important episode to go back and listen to if you haven't already because it's about sort of debunking all the stories that we might already have around sleep that don't serve us. And I think a big part of that is about this co-sleeping bit, about how maybe we shouldn't sleep with our babies. It's dangerous to sleep with our babies. Um, you know, we might suffocate them in the night, which is totally valid. But I also know that co-sleeping can be beautiful and nurturing and really, really safe. So I know that I wanted to get Sarah on the podcast to talk about this topic in and of itself and make a whole episode around it because I get a lot of questions. So I've been sharing on Instagram and Facebook about how I've been co-sleeping with Luca this time around and it's going really well for us. And I kind of accidentally stepped into co-sleeping. I didn't really intend on doing it. I kind of did it with my first two But more as a in the middle of the night, I would bring them into my bed if they woke up. But they always started in a separate bed. I never started them in my bed. And when I was recovering after birth with Luca, I just found it really hard. Um, If you've listened to my birth stories, you know I had a lot of perineal heaviness. And it was just really hard for me to get up and down a lot. So I naturally started co-sleeping because I just wanted to be horizontal for as long as possible. And you know what? It helped a lot with my physical recovery. And here we are now, almost a year in, and she's still in our bed. (laughs) So it's working really well for us at the moment. And I actually feel really, really well rested as a mum. A lot of people ask me, like, how do you do it all? How do you get it done? How do you deal with the chronic sleep deprivation? And I totally resonate with that because I have been there before. But to be honest, I don't feel tired. I actually don't. I'm sure I could feel much more energetic, but I don't feel chronically tired. I actually feel very well rested given what load I am carrying, being a mum to three young kids who do wake up a lot in the night. And I do credit a lot of that to co-sleeping. So for anyone who's maybe had this on their mind or want to know how they could do it safely, today's episode is for you because we talk about all the different ways you can co-sleep, the benefits of co-sleeping, the risk factors to be looking out for. And we also talk about biologically how we are wired. If we are unaffected and if we are healthy and well, how we're actually wired to protect our infants at nighttime and how that can be a really beautiful, um, you kind of get in this beautiful rhythm and sync with your baby. Um, So for those mamas who are nervous about it, I think what Sarah shares on that is really, really um, important and valid. So I think you're going to love this episode. Um, We do have two more episodes coming up in this Well-Rested Mama series where we'll be talking about top five tips for baby sleep. So super important, bite-sized, great information. We're also going to be talking about looking after mum to look after babe because I think it's so important when we're talking about baby sleep to also have an entire podcast episode dedicated to looking after mum 
filling mum's cup up, making sure mum's getting lots of rest so she can then support her baby to sleep because I think that's such an important role. So Sarah is such a wealth of knowledge. I've already introduced her, but she is our baby and wellbeing coach. And you can find out more from her on Instagram at Blossom and Snooze. She has so much great information around normal biological baby sleep and how you can support your child to sleep. So if you do feel like you need support, definitely go check her out. And remember for all Pregnancy Posse members, Sarah has given us an epic bonus video, which does a deep dive on all the topics we're talking about in this podcast series. It's a 25 minute video and she goes deep on all of this normal biological sleep and where the guidelines are at and then how you can implement that as a mother into your everyday life. So I think that's really, really important information to know. So if you want to check that out, it's inside the Pregnancy Posse membership right now, as is this entire podcast series. You don't have to wait for any of the episodes to be released. So if you want to check that out, go to thepregnancyposse.com. And if you're not a member, you can sign up and trial the program for seven days. And if you like the podcast, I'm sure you're going to like the rest of the program. We have amazing, epic weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy, an entire resources library on how to prepare for birth, manic pelvic pain, yoga, meditation, birth mantras, breathing techniques, recovery in the first two weeks after birth. There's so much beautiful information in there. And we have a wonderful community forum where you can ask all your burning questions so you don't have to go down the Google rabbit hole. So if that sounds good to you, it sounds like something that you might need right now, then please go check it out, thatpregnancyposse.com. And I'll see you over there. Otherwise, mamas, enjoy this episode with Sarah talking all about co-sleeping. Now, I want to talk about co-sleeping because this is something I get asked about a lot. I have been co-sleeping with my youngest the whole time. She's now nine and a half months. And every time I post a picture of me lying in bed with her, feeding her to sleep, I honestly would get at least 10 messages saying, how do you safely co-sleep? How long have you been doing this for? Like a lot of interest in it. And I, I, I think it comes from women being really scared to sleep with their babies. And I totally understand why we're, we're told it's a dangerous thing. So I want you to talk about co-sleeping for those women out there who maybe feel like that's a good fit for them, but are concerned about making sure they don't, you know, pose a danger to their babies. Can we discuss that? Yeah, absolutely. So I've also been bed sharing with my son, from the beginning. And honestly, I started out of necessity. Actually, when I was in the hospital, I had a super bruised tailbone after labor from my pushing phase. And I just couldn't sit to feed him anymore. And I was just like, I can't do this. What am I going to do? So I managed to on day two, I don't even know how I managed to do sideline breastfeeding because I know a lot of women that can take a while to master because it's a bit tricky. Um, So I kind of just rolled with it. But initially I really I think I fought it because of those things I was scared I was you know worried about all of those things that you get told and it wasn't until kind of four or five months after you know my own journey and experience that I sort of learned more deeply about it and um, I always did it safely but I was just those shoulds those worries and in the back of your mind thinking like am I doing this right and I wish that I had known prior, um, you know, the, the true recommendations around keeping it safe and just understanding it a bit more deeply mm. because I would have saved myself a lot of stress. Um, and again, I would have gotten a lot more sleep in that fourth trimester. <laughs> I wouldn't have been fighting it so much. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of the fear comes from definitely the messaging that we get from society and 
it's not just for sleep, right? It's for even when you're pregnant and you're preparing for birth, we kind of get a lot of messaging that almost that a mother is a threat to her baby. Like, you know, we get told how we should birth and all of these things. And it's kind of like this disconnect between us and the way that our bodies were built and the instincts that we have and what we are inherently capable of. And I find that that then comes across to sleep as well. And also pointing out that it is quite a privileged view as well. If we look at sleep across the world and in other cultures and in other countries, the fact that we even get to ask the question, where will my baby sleep? Maybe they'll be in a separate room. Maybe they'll be in a separate bed. The fact that we can afford a separate room, that we are not all sleeping in the one bed. Um, I always just think it's important to just recognize that. Um, and I've done a lot of work looking at sleep around the world. And it's um, a very, I guess, Western view that we should be sleeping separately from our children. And um, again, just making parallels from, you know, us to our babies. Like for me, I don't like sleeping alone. I sleep better when my husband's home, like if he's away or something, I don't sleep as well. And so again, it's just those different expectations, those sort of double standards that we seem to have. Um, but I definitely understand it from the fears and, you know, the safety concerns. And so I guess if we just quickly run through the safe sleep guidelines, and then I'll run through the um, safe sleep seven, which is specific to bed sharing. Um, and these are specifically here for here in Australia um, from the Red Nose Australia um, information, but they're pretty similar across most Western cultures as well. Uh, so there's six steps that Red Nose Australia recommends for all babies. And this is zero to 12 months. So in their first year of life, Placing baby on their back for sleep, obviously keeping their head and face uncovered, keeping them smoke free before and after birth, having safe sleeping environments day and night. So this applies for naps as well. Uh, room sharing is recommended as well for the first six to 12 months. And if they're in their cot or a bassinet, no loose sheets, you know, blankets or toys um, in with them. Um, and the last recommendation is to breastfeed your baby. And so there's obviously lots of research that have gone into those recommendations. Um, it's, it's reducing the risk of SIDS and all of those sorts of things. Um, so co-sleeping, if we're just sort of looking more specifically at definitions, co-sleeping is any place that you are sleeping in close sensory proximity to your little one. So they can hear you, sort of smell you, touch you. So it's not necessarily bed sharing, it's room sharing. So if they're in a bassinet attached to your bed, if they're in a cot in your bedroom, um, and it also applies to bed sharing. What's also important to note is that co-sleeping also can be a baby sleeping in the parent's arms and then the parent falling asleep on the couch or in a recliner or in a rocking chair. And that's an unsafe sleeping situation, but it's a situation that parents can very easily find themselves in because they're so scared to bed share. Mm. They are so scared that they then, and I, this was even me when I was, when my son was really young, I was sitting there, you know, in the middle of the night, trying to keep myself awake, looking at my phone. And I was so tired sitting in this rocking chair, uncomfortable, almost falling asleep. And I'm thinking, is this really the safer option than me having a safe space where I can lay down with my son and I'm not going to fall asleep and he's going to fall 
out of my arm. So I just think that's really important to have that perspective. And I always recommend to families to be aware of safe bed sharing, be aware of how to set it up, have a space, you know, have your bed set up so that, or a bed in the house set up so that you can do it. If you're like, you know, in the middle of the night, you're going, I'm just so tired. I need to do this right now. Mm. Or just have an awareness of the things, the quick adjustments that you can make if you find yourself in that position that you just need to sleep right now and you just want to do it safely. Mm. Or if you want to, if you're like me, you, you want to do it all the time because it just is what works and, you know, you, you don't want to get up. Um, it just becomes a lot easier. Mm. So I guess looking at how to set up a space for safe bed sharing, um, this comes from the Lesh League International. Um, and they talk a lot about, you know, breastfeeding as well and how they're interconnected to sleep. And so they've got seven kind of steps. And this um, is talking specifically about mum. But the research that they have shown is that any time after four months, this can be with any um, caregiver who is aware. And, you know, so it could be dad basically after four months. Um, just as an example, but obviously they need to be going into it aware and willing and, you know, happy to do all of these things. So the seven things. So there's mum needs to be a non-smoker, sober and unimpaired. You know, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, And that includes, you know, prescription drugs as well. You know, if she's taking things for sleep or things like that, just being aware of the impact that that might have. Still the breastfeeding recommendation as well. Uh, For your baby, they recommend to be healthy and born full term, um, placed on their back for sleep still. So still that same recommendation, lightly dressed. And what's really important with if your bed sharing is no swaddling. If you're bringing them into your bed, take them out of the swaddle. If you're doing swaddling, um, that's really important. And um, having the uh, your quilt or anything sort of around your knees or your waist so that it's not coming up towards their head which kind of is common sense, but I think it's just important to say it. Mm. And of course, of course, on a safe surface that has been prepared for bed sharing. So then your baby needs to be healthy and full term is what they recommend, placed on their back for sleep. So still bringing that across from the other recommendations, lightly dressed, and then it's important to note no swaddling. So if they're swaddled and then you're bringing them into their bed, make sure you unswaddle them. And you both need to be on a safe surface, which has been prepared for bed sharing. So that's just looking at mostly the mattress, especially when they're quite young, making sure it's not too soft. So Mm. a firmer mattress, or if you've got like a big pillow top that's super fluffy, taking that off so that there's sort of reducing that risk of them like rolling and sort of getting their face covered Um, and things like knowing where your pillows are so that you know if you're sleeping in the cuddle curl which is kind of the position on your side that they recommend you sleeping in which facilitates breastfeeding if you can nail sideline breastfeeding that is awesome it will change everything Um, and that means that you know you've got your arm kind of up your baby's in breastfeeding kind of in the curve of your body you've got your knees bent I always say put a pillow between your knees maybe a pillow behind your back to keep you comfortable because it can get a little uncomfortable when you're in that all night and then the pillows like behind your head so just kind of keeping all of those things away from the baby and they're kind of cocooned by your body Mm. and that's how it can be safe even if you have your partner on the other side of the bed because you're kind of protecting them like with your knees and with your arm 
Um, and there's different, you know, there's different little adjustments that you can make and um, it's going to look slightly different for everyone. But just having a basic understanding of those elements um, can be super helpful to prepare that space if you feel that that's something you want to do or out of necessity when you are just so tired that you, you can't sit up anymore and feed or whatever the case looks like. Mm. And isn't there science to show or studies have been done to show that you instinctively will get into that sort of, what did you call it, like a C-shape or protective position? Isn't there actual studies that show without even consciously thinking about it that you will protect your baby by forming a C-shape around them at nighttime? Yes, yes, definitely. And um, I think that's part of why the recommendation is for breastfeeding too, because naturally if they're breastfeeding, they can't be like up you know, in any other position, really, that's physically where they're going to lay next to your body. Um, But yeah, it's amazing what our instincts as a mother will do. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for the way that we sleep as well. So our sleep changes and our sleep cycles change when we have a baby with us. Um, And there's lots of research around this that comes particularly from Professor James McKenna, who is kind of like one of the world leading sleep anthropologists. And he's been studying mothers and babies and the way they feed and sleep for over 30 years. There's a couple of these anthropologists in the world and he's one that I've just been personally lucky to study with. And so, again, looking at sort of what biologically happens, we naturally will rouse when our baby moves or when they make a noise or, you know, when something's going on with them. And we might not necessarily even fully wake, but we might just make a tiny adjustment. Mm -hmm. And this is that attunement um, that can become really beautiful um, in these situations, you know, when we can embrace it if it's a choice that we make and we go yeah actually bed sharing works like let's do it Um, then looking at kind of that next layer of this is amazing attunement that happens between baby and mother and when one moves the other moves and they kind of like this it's this um, synchronized kind of movements and sleep wake patterns align Um, and that happens with like room sharing too and that's why they recommend that and all of those things help reduce the risk of SIDS because mum's waking up to any little movement Um, again not necessarily fully waking up but there's some sort of reaction happening there and that's where I think it's so beautiful my whole ethos is about helping women trust themselves and be confident in their mothering and I think so many women are scared that they're a danger to their baby but like you just said we know that if you're uh, like not impaired so you know you haven't been smoking or drinking or taking you know um, something that may alter your your state you will naturally and instinctively protect your baby and dance with your baby all night long. Like you are attuned to them. You guys are so in sync, like no other pair in the world, you and that baby. Um, we're not a threat to each other. We're actually like this beautiful companion. And I think that's really beautiful. And many a night I've woken up and my husband will say, you know, like, how'd you guys sleep last night? And I'm like, yeah, I think I think she had a couple of feeds because a lot of the time, like you were saying, I would rouse and obviously attach her on the boob and have a little feed back to sleep, but I wasn't actually really fully awake. So I was just doing these things almost sub, um, like sleepwalking in a way, sleep feeding, <laughs> which is so beautiful because I tell you what, I am so well rested for someone 
whose child still wakes up multiple times a night like people will ask me like oh so you know Lucas sleeping through the night and I'm like no way like she's waking up I think because I don't know because I'm still kind of half asleep but probably three times a night but I am truly well rested I and even in the early days first couple of weeks I would have a nap every afternoon but since then I have not had a single day nap or maybe once or twice actually I probably have but I'm really well rested and I really do credit it this time to yeah, co-sleeping, bed sharing, whatever you want to call it. And I also wanted to mention that I didn't choose it this time. So I didn't go in and go, I'd done it a little bit with my first two, just if they woke in the night, I just, I called it lazy parenting. I just pull them into bed because I couldn't be bothered resettling them, but they would usually start in a separate bed. Whereas with Luca, what happened is in the early days postpartum, I had a lot of perineal heaviness and tenderness. And I, like you with your tailbone, I didn't enjoy sitting up to feed her because it was really uncomfortable for me. So I went to side lie feeding in bed just because physically that was the best way for me to recover. And then I was like, oh, hang on. I'm getting a lot of rest right now because I'm never getting up in the night. Like I would put nappies on the side and wipes on the side and I literally never had to leave my bed. So I was in bed for like 12 hours overnight. Yes, I was waking up a lot to change nappies and feed and whatnot, but I wasn't physically getting up and that makes the world of difference for me. So I just went, oh, well, we'll just keep going with this. And nine and a half months later, I'm like, oh, I guess we're still doing this. And I'm very aware that one day I might go, you know what, it's not working anymore. And I would like, you know, my bed back or whatever. And I'm totally open to that. But right now, still kind of working. So um, it just kind of landed in our lap. And it's been the most beautiful experience. And my husband and I were saying the other night, we're like, you know, I wonder, you do reckon we'll put her in a cot or whatnot? And we're like, no, I think for the moment it's working, but I know I'm going to miss the days waking up to her. She's so adorable in the morning. I get to see exactly how she wakes up. It's not me coming in five minutes later and she's already standing up ready to go. And it's been a really, really beautiful time for me. And I just wanted to talk about it because like I said, I get a lot of messages whenever I share that we are because so many women I think want to try it or want to do it, but are just so scared to do it. So I love that you've shared, you know, all the resources and all the tips and the things for women to know about. And one I wanted to add as well is that I ended up putting um, like little, what do you call them? Like rails on my bed. I So I have like a king bed. My husband does still sleep in the bed. Um, and I, to be honest, he ends up with the toddlers most nights because they still wake up. But we have rails both sides of the bed because for me, I can sleep much more confidently and comfortably knowing that, especially now she's mobile, that she wouldn't just roll out of bed. That was a real fear of mine. So that was something that really helped me continue co-sleeping as well. Yeah, and I think that's an important note to make is that, um, again, it's it's doing what works for you and like you have to be able to sleep and if you're worried about them rolling out the bed, then that's not getting you the sleep that you need and it evolves. So sharing my example, um, we had a, a bassinet co-sleeper that attached to our bed in the early days and he would be on the outside. Um, he never really slept in the bassinet. I had that for the nappies and the wipes and that. Um, but that in my peace of mind was he's not going to roll out of bed. He's going to roll into the co-sleeper yeah. if he, he never did um, because he was always staying close. Um, and then as he got older, once he got more mobile and we, he got bigger too, we, we 
got a king bed, but we didn't get the frame initially. We just put it straight onto the ground. So once he was crawling, it didn't matter if he, and that happened, you know, worked for daytime too, if we were playing in there, Uh, you know, he wasn't going to fall far. It was just the the height of the mattress. Mm. Um, And then I think he was probably about 18 months and he was very confidently getting on and off the bed, all of those sorts of things. And we got a frame for our bed. Um, he has a mattress, a king single mattress in his room that he always starts off the night in. And that's just straight on the floor. We don't have a frame for that yet because we're not there with him. So, you know, again, if he it's sort of up against the wall. So again, if he does happen to roll out, it's just the height of the mattress, which is not very high. And that's being responsive to what worked for our family and not being afraid to change it along the way. I used to have a running joke with a girlfriend every time I would go to her house, which was every week for a play date, she'd have a new configuration of bedrooms because she had three children. And I used to laugh because I'm like, oh, okay, so blah, blah's in here now. And then they're sharing a bunk bed and then double mattress. And I didn't understand it. And that is my house right now in terms of things changing. I feel like we went through this phase because the it just wasn't working and we're like, what are we going to do? We tried so many different <laughs> bed configurations <laughs> and we've, we've settled currently. I'm sure by the time this podcast is released, it's changed again. But we've got me, my husband, my baby in the king bed with the cot side rail thing is. I've got my four-year-old in a king single with a, this is another thing to note. He's got a rail because I tell you what, he moves around. So he would 100% fall out of bed every night if I didn't have that there. I'm surprised actually how much four-year-olds still move. And then I've got my two-year-old on a mattress on the floor because she also moves a lot in the same room. So they're together. And it's just funny how, you know, we've got this three-bedroom house, but we just, we've tried so many different setups because we just want to make sure everyone's in harmony. Everyone's getting good sleep. Um, yeah, which is funny. And I was just thinking from a physiotherapy point of view, I'm all about optimizing physical recovery after birth. And whether you co-sleep or whether you just do the side life feed, it is so, so very helpful for your recovery to be able to lie down. So I talk a lot about horizontal rest in the first couple of weeks postnatal. And that's where I really, I know it is hard and I agree with you, it's a bit tricky, but I really try and get women to try a side life feed because sitting up every time you feed, which is so often in those early days, puts so much pressure on your pelvic floor and on your pelvis, which is so vulnerable and it's trying to recover. And if we can lie down, it makes an enormous difference to women's physical recovery. So, and again, that's how I started just having to lie down because it was easier, but I really do think it's so, so vital for women to try and get as much rest, physical rest as possible. And this is part of helping you get as much physical rest. And the last point I wanted to make, and I'm thinking I might share this, um, if I'm feeling up for it, this photo when I release this podcast, but my husband has taken so many photos of me in the morning in that C shape position that you talk about where you got the one arm up and baby's tucked in and you're like curled around them with this massive areola just popped out, <laughs> flopped out because baby just feeds all night long. I just have so many like half nude photos on my phone, which I cherish and I'm so glad he takes them. But he's like, he thinks they're beautiful. That's why he takes them. There's just like, this massive nipple hanging out and baby's just tucked in right next to it. And I just think so many women listening to this will be like, I know exactly what you're talking about you just kind of wake up with boobs all over the place 
Yeah. That's just the co-sleeping posture, isn't it? Yes, 100%. That is me as well. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. So yes, I hope that really helps clear up any fears or anxieties that women did have about co-sleeping because I personally haven't found a lot of resources on it. Like I found a lot about the guidelines that you've mentioned, but not not too many people actually talking about their experience with it. So I think it's really good for those women who are thinking that maybe that's something that would work for them, but they're too scared to. I think that will be really, really helpful. Hi, mamas. I hope you love that episode. And for those women who prior to this episode were nervous or unsure about co-sleeping, that it's helped to reassure you and go, ah, we can do this safely. We can do this if it feels right for us. There's going to be plenty of women probably they wouldn't actually listen to this episode if it wasn't of interest to them. But I imagine there's plenty of women out there who think co-sleeping is the last thing they would want to do. And that's so important to recognize. Is this something that feels good for you or not? There is no perfect way to do anything. Pregnancy, birth, parenting, there is no one right way. There is only your right way. So if you're listening to this episode, I imagine it's because you feel like co-sleeping might feel like the right way for you or might feel like something you want to explore. But there's no perfect way. If you sleep with your baby in a cot, that's amazing. If you sleep with your baby in your bed, that's amazing. As long as you have all the information so you can make the best decision for you. That's my ethos for everything. So take the information that I'm presenting and sharing with you and sit with it. What feels right for you? What feels good for you? Like I mentioned in the podcast, I kind of accidentally stumbled across co-sleeping and now I love it and it feels so good for us. And I'm fully aware that it will come a time where I think, you know what, this isn't working anymore and we need to change things and it's time to do something different. But we're not at that stage yet. Um, And I know with my first two, that's exactly how I went as well. Like I got to 12 months with my first son feeding to sleep and then I went, you know what, this isn't working anymore. We need to do something differently. I'm not feeling like it's fulfilling me to be feeding to sleep all the time I would like a little bit of independence from the sleep routine and so we changed it and it worked really really well and as I've shared in this podcast as well that didn't work so well for my middle child and looking at her temperament and her personality now that makes total sense Um, so it's just about adapting it to your lifestyle to make sure that your cup is full your baby's cup is full the whole family unit is working and humming along in this brilliant harmony everyone is as well rested as can be and I think co-sleeping may be something that you need to implement to achieve that harmony and it may not be so I just hope that if this felt like it was right for you that I gave you the information you need to do it well and do it safely and if you have any questions on it obviously I've got my own experience with it but please jump over at Physio Laura ask me any of the questions you might have let me know what you got from this episode and if you need extra sleep support or some information and extra guidance around sleep definitely go check out Sarah at Blossom and Snooze she has a great she's always doing reels on Instagram she has so much great information and And if you're feeling called to, you may want to consult with her. You may want to actually sit down and talk about your baby sleep and where you're at and find, you know, a plan that may work for you all so that you do feel more well-rested. And don't forget, if you're a Pregnancy Posse member and you haven't checked out the bonus video for this podcast series, go check it out today. It's a 25-minute deep dive on all of these topics, particularly bed sharing 
and how you can start to implement all of what the guidelines tell us into a real life scenario. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already. And if you want to check out this whole podcast series, plus that bonus video, plus all the other amazing resources we have inside the posse. And if you want access to me to ask all of your pregnancy questions, that's where I live. Check it out, thepregnancyposse.com and you can trial it for seven days. But make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast, because we do have two more epic episodes coming up. Stay tuned for episode three, which will be released next week where we are talking all about the top five tips for baby sleep. So this is going to be a super practical, bite-sized, implement it today sort of podcast episode where you can start working on improving baby sleep for you and for your little one so that everyone is feeling much more well-rested. So stay tuned for episode three. And until then, mummers, I hope you're all looking after yourself, being kind to yourself, having a glorious day, and I will see you all soon. Thank you.